Hi, this is Midwesteration, and I'm Freya Bernson. This week, I got to interview Jake Gamble and Kelly V. Phillips from the Red Tail Land Conservancy at one of their sites called Muncie Woods. This property is very close to Muncie, Indiana, spelled differently, and is in a very rural, very quiet setting in the state. And so not a lot of outside noises, aside from the crunchy, crispy snow that we got to walk through from area to area that we talked about. So with that, let's go ahead and start the interview. All right, I am standing at, in, well, in Muncie Woods with Jake and Kelly from the Red Tail Land Conservancy. And uh, I guess I'd, I'd just like to start by asking you both to kind of introduce yourselves and um, what your roles are and uh, how you're connected to the site we're at today. Sure. Uh, my name is Jake Gamble. I'm the stewardship coordinator for Red Tail Land Conservancy. Uh, basically, that translates to boots on the ground guy out here man managing the land, um, taking care of it. And so, obviously, this piece of, of land is very important to me because it's something that I put a lot of effort to in, in terms of restoring it and making it look really nice. So, awesome. And um, I'm Kelly, the communications and outreach manager for Red Tail. I've really just been here one year uh, in Indiana and with Red Tail, and so my position is storytelling. If Jake's is boots on the ground, mine is getting people connected to nature and interested in how they can also be part of that sort of connectivity with um, with our natural surroundings. Very nice. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I'm really glad that both of you are here because those are both like such important parts of this work. So I think it's, it's, it's awesome that you, you were both available to, to meet with me here. Um, so yeah, we are we are at uh, Muncie Woods. Um, what what is special about this place? Why is this a place that Red Tail Land Conservancy uh, cares about? Yeah, well, the history of Muncie Woods is that basically it was a Girl Scout camp for a really long time, uh, since the 30s, I believe. Before that, actually, it belonged to the Ball family. It was a Ball family farm. Mm. And then it got put in the hands of the Girl Scout camp, and up until... 2011, when Red Tail actually acquired the property, I think it remained a Girl Scout camp. It was for 70 years a right. Girl Scout camp. So, um, yeah, then Red Tail came into possession of it in 2011, um, and the rest is history, right? We're out here um, removing a lot of honeysuckle is, is the <laughs> gist of this property. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and what's special about it when we take people out here for programs is because this is our main programming hub because it has a beautiful mature forest, it has an ephemeral wetland, it has a um, open sort of grassy area um, and a stream running through it. And so it reflects all these different habitats which are not always charismatic, um, but when you kind of put them together in a place and then with all of Jake's work doing restoration, it has this sort of broader experience of what the outdoors has to offer. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, well, you mentioned the honeysuckle problem. That's a huge problem in uh, a lot of um, northeast Indiana, where I'm from, and uh, like throughout much of many places around um, the surrounding area. Mm -hmm. um, so, is that, that's your primary, like, yeah. uh, invasive, <laughs> or what else are, what else yeah, are you working I on mean, here? 
I mean, woody invasives are, you know, easy to bring out a group of volunteers, get them involved. You can take them to a big patch of honeysuckle and say, go to town without much worry of them disturbing something else on accident. Um, so that's one reason uh, we kind of focus on it. But there are lots of other invasives, as with really any property in this part of Indiana. Um, I don't know. It's basically a seed bank for invasives <laughs> in some areas, at least. But, you know, I, I think it's bringing volunteers out here, doing the work, um, getting rid of the invasives that we can. I think that's better than the alternative, you know, which is not, and just letting those things take over. Um, and the work can be uh, a little disheartening sometimes. You know, you clear land and maybe you look uh, to your right or something, and there's a whole other acre of honeysuckle. But, you know, even even in a place like this where there is a lot of invasives, in areas that we've cleared out, maybe the woody exotics, we see the regrowth. I mean, I found a, a Plectrum hymali, the, the putty root orchid, grows blankets half of this woods. So oh there are some really awesome natives out here, and it just really makes the work worthwhile, even when you're in the thick of it, and it's hard to see that sometimes. Nice, yeah. So, yeah, ultimately, I mean, the long-term goal for this site um, aside from eradicating invasives, what um, what is the hope for for this area in the next 50, 100 Ooh. beyond years? 50, 100 beyond? Uh, yeah, so like Kelly said, we use this property a lot as sort of an ambassador property. You know, it has the facilities to take in volunteers or do you know educational programs which is extremely helpful and so I think taking that idea coupled with the fact that we're really making a lot of headway on the invasives I think this could be a tremendous property for outdoor recreation and education I think that's really where I see this going because it already has such well-maintained trails facilities and yeah the, the native plants like I said before it's it's gonna be great I really do think that Very a lot fun. of potential Nice. Yeah. Um, what other management uh, techniques are are you applying here? Um, is is prescribed fire part of part of your organization's um, uh, toolkit? Yeah. Uh, as a whole, Redtail does do actually prescribed burns are a little more recent. Basically, when I started, I started with Redtail about three years ago, and we did them sporadically. I'll say. Um, and since I've started, we've kind of been um, doing a little bit more of them, putting certain properties of ours on burn cycles and schedules. This property, I have never done a woodland burn before, mm -hmm. and I would not attempt it on this property, I don't think. I think the thought of it is a little scary to me. So maybe that's someone with a little more experience, but uh, mm -hmm. not here. But yeah, prescribed burns are a very useful tool in the, in the restoration ecologist's kit, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Um, certain things you just like prairie management you just really can't do without mm -hmm. so yeah nice uh, other than uh, mm -hmm. invasive species removal with volunteers and then um, with Jake on his own um, unfortunately with COVID Jake was left with planting all of the trees that normally our volunteers <laughs> do yeah. and so what was that 600, 600 big old trees, trees <laughs> by himself last year um, because like a lot of scout camps there's uh -huh. a parade ground uh -huh. so uh, it's been cleared of woods um, a wetland is close by so perhaps it was a wetland habitat mm -hmm. at some point 
Um, but now it's just, you know, grass. They cleared it entirely. Mm -hmm. And so that section is being planted with trees. It's one of, when we have volunteers doing tree plantings, it's one of two places where that is where they go. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, because of COVID, one of our pivots, unfortunately, was taking volunteers and having them do sort of separate independent work, mm -hmm. not including a big tree planting event. So it was a major accomplishment that Jake did last year, <laughs> planting all 600 trees. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's... You know, it is part of the job, but it's one of those things where it's really, the work is work. You know, mm -hmm. your back's tired at the end of the day, your your legs or whatever. But when you're out there doing it, you're just you're just planting little whips, you know, little tiny trees. I, I turn on the radio, you know, <laughs> just kind of dance in the field, <laughs> throw some trees in the ground. It's it's a it's a better day of, in the job, I would say. Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah. not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, that that's uh, that's a lot to do solo. <laughs> well, actually, you know, John, John did help me with that. He, he, we had an auger and we were just drilling holes, mm -hmm. drop a tree, you mm -hmm. know, nice. it went pretty smoothly. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you have more planned for there? Is that, or is it, is it planted now? Well, the, so, uh, the field in reference is, is pretty large. Well, we can go look at it. Okay. Yeah, we can yeah. take a look. Um, so I kind of just divided it into two sections that it, um, kind of naturally formed into with kind of the wood line and uh, I planted the back part of it and uh, the front part still needs a little bit of work but it was planted in sort of some lower wildlife forage shrubs um, so as far as trees I still need to do a little bit more out in that field okay. I know Nice. What's that? It's really nice overstory here. Yeah, <laughs> lots of uh, oak trees, hickories. I mean, it's a uh, kind of your typical oak hickory uh, maturing stand, I would say. Um, there are some, there is some room for stand improvement out here. Uh, lots of the understory is really kind of dominated by maples at this point, sugar maples. Um, so you're talking about 50, 100 years down the line. That's probably something that'll need to happen is some stand improvement. But right now, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a pretty diverse um, kind of classic Indiana woodlands. Is this the, the field? This oh. is it. Nice. We're standing in it. And it is... <laughs> You know, half of it is planted and, and maintained. I, I try to flag all the trees that I put in the ground so I don't whack them with a mower um, during the growing season. Um, but yeah, the half that's not planted, you can see there's a lot of um, like Queen Anne's lace and your kind of typical herbaceous exotics. Um, I try to keep it free of woody invasives, although that's not always accomplished. Um, but you know, and, and the parts that we put a lot of effort into restoring. It would be kind of a waste if I just mm -hmm. let, you know, the things come back into it. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you also doing any uh, um, uh, forever grass planting here? You know, ideally you would. And there are some, actually this year I plan to um, do a tree planting at a site where I'll, you know, go over it with some herbicides and put in some native grasses mm -hmm. and, and herbaceous layer and then put the trees in. And ideally, that's what you would want to do, but not not here. It was um, 
kind of short notice, you know, everything happened at the, the beginning of last year, and there I am with 600 trees. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this this area we're oh there's your your, your namesake a, yeah red tail <laughs> are you picking yeah. Oh, yeah nice upset or happy mm-hmm. about something yeah <laughs> I think it's funny like in movies it's the class that's the classic <laughs> screech right no, that's, yeah that's fun um uh yeah but uh. We are we're pretty close to Muncie, Indiana mm-hmm. here. Being in Muncie Woods not spelled the same, but um it's uh this part of Indiana is is fairly rural and um it's quiet, you know, we can actually hear the red tail yelling. Mm-hmm. Um and uh just connectivity wise, um, for this site, uh how how far does the, the woodland um uh, reach uh is does it end at the borders of your property here or are there other adjoining properties that um allow for a a wider woodland um landscape yeah uh well for the most part this is kind of we'll definitely say the biggest patch of woodlands i know there are neighbors that surround this property Mm -hmm. they'll have small patches of woods on either side of us that basically will border a farm field or their own manicured lawn Mm -hmm. and then on the on the back side of the property there is another I I would say maybe uh, 15 20 acres Mm -hmm. of woods um, from you know just a guy that owns it and I don't think he does anything with it it just basically sits dormant so okay that's one of the things too when you have a property like this especially in this part of Indiana where you you pick up you know 50 acres here 60 acres there Mm -hmm. um, and then you put a lot of effort into restoring managing those if your neighbors aren't doing anything, it's just a open gate for invasives mm-hmm. and, and things like that to just walk right in. So it's it's an uphill struggle, I think. Yeah. But you, you did say mm-hmm. our favorite word, which is connection uh-huh. and connectivity. It's um, the big sort of, I guess theme is an appropriate word, um, because we have in the past couple years been developing our strategic conservation plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that did is it kind of broke down at how we look at land acquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the different variables we weigh it by? Because, you know, we're a nonprofit. There's limited resources to go around, so we want to have the maximum effort. So then, you know, you're left with the choice. If we have a small patch of land that is pristine, how is that weighted versus a larger patch of land that maybe is on a, you know, a wetland? Mm-hmm. That's maybe not as pristine but it would ha- it would create you know corridors and connect things so today can talk about more about the strategic conservation plan but as far as restoration and acquisition goes that's our guiding plan for the next 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you know with the with the strategic conservation plan it's it's important to remember red tail is a non-profit mm-hmm. you know so we're we're a 501 um c3 um and here you go. Red Tail Land Conservancy preserves, protects, and restores natural areas and farmland in East Central Indiana while increasing natural, increasing awareness of our natural heritage. That that's our mission, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's kind of there's a lot packed into that, but I think it really exemplifies 
kind of what we do, you know, increasing awareness of natural heritage through, you know, Kelly's position doing outreach educational programs, protect, um, restore, preserve. What I do, you know, um, uh, restoring, restoring lands and things like that. But it, being a nonprofit, we have finite resources. Mm -hmm. We can't just buy up every little island patch of land that that's pretty good condition but it really doesn't connect anything. So with our strategic conservation plan, it helps us take our nonprofit resources and apply them in the most beneficial way possible in terms of the ecology of our service area. And, and really that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, limited resources are like the name of the game in, in the field. For yeah, sure. of course. So, no, that's great. And uh, just doing doing the best with what you have is is important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's hard sometimes um you know, having having the background that I do and maybe I see these little island patches of land, mm -hmm. you know. Actually, I visited one and it was next to a landfill. Mm -hmm. And it was just farm fields around it, there was a landfill, but inside it had the biggest most beautiful beech trees. Uh, you could tell that the spring wildflowers would have been crazy in there. Just a really, really nice patch of maybe 30 acres. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at a certain point, you, you just can't sweep all those up. You know, it has to be purposeful in where you choose to protect mm -hmm. um, um, land. So. Yeah. yeah. And then this year, um, we really took, you know, our mission is preserve, protect, and restore um, land. And we really looked at it through a lens of our community. So it's not necessarily just, well, let's, you know, restore acres of land. People who have yards, who maybe just have concrete pads, um, they have land as well that can be restored in such a way where it becomes habitat. Mm -hmm. So as habitat loss happens, people can be, you know, part of a solution and a mitigating factor by transforming their personal space, their gardens, their backyards, you know, community centers um, into places through native planting and having infrastructure like birdhouses, bathhouses, into habitat. Mm -hmm. And so that's a program we just started this year um, that we feel across all of the counties that we work in will create this network of like pocket preserves. Mm -hmm. So it's more of that connectivity and just a very kind of compact way. Nice, yeah. So if you want, we can head up and look at those beautiful big trees. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you still have evidence of the Girl Scout camp. Is this, is this a, a outbuilding for them? I don't know what this, uh, there's a few buildings like kind of speckled across the the property here and honestly of all of our properties this might be one of my favorites to just like go off trail and just start trekking around because you'll find all these random things uh, I, I mean I've come across they must have had an old interpretive trail out here at one point because there's little wooden posts with little placards on them that talk about there's one that talks about like black bear and everything like that it's just it's kind of fun <laughs> One of the really important takeaways from this being in use for, gosh, now it's probably a hundred years, <laughs> pretty close to it, is that, you know, the idea of land conservation was still in the back of people's minds 
because it was used for outdoor recreation mm -hmm. and experiences. So everything around here in many ways has been like converted in the way the land is used except for the scout camp. So there is always this idea that it's important to have these sort of connections. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So um, speak. you mentioned your background a sure. little bit. Sure. Um, would you mind kind of talking about the path that led you to be part yeah. of Redtail? Yeah, well, I, I think with most people that end up in a field similar to this, there's probably some childhood. <laughs> I went camping all the time, or <laughs> my mom forgot me in the woods, and I just loved it, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, mine is, I, I grew up in northern Indiana, um, about a half hour south of South Bend, and uh, I just spent my time on the Tippecanoe River, kayaking, camping, all that, that good stuff, and uh, I I knew I wanted to do something outside wildlife related going to college and so I started I went to Ball State University um, majoring in biology with concentration in wildlife biology and then my second year I took an intro to botany course and I was like wow plants are where it's at <laughs> uh, where most people really hated that I, I loved it so I also added the field botany concentration onto that and that's what I ended up graduating with in 2017 um, after that, I, I did some kind of your, your, what you have to go through as a biologist, your field seasons, you know, your outdoor grunt work. I did some of that for a couple summers and um, ended up at Brown County State Park working as a naturalist aide. And then I did that for a couple years and then I, and then I found my way here to, uh, back to Muncie. So kind of full circle. Nice. Where are you, Kelly? Um, I mean... The same sort of story mm -hmm. as Jake and that a lot of people who um, end up in this field where I grew up in front of a small riparian strip. Mm -hmm. And with my background now, I know it was essentially a drainage ditch with a lot of invasive species. <laughs> but Beautiful. then it was this, ma it was a magical place and I had my own names for all these little areas. And so as I grew older, I sought out places where I felt that magic. And so I, um, you know, my degrees were in anthropology and environmental studies mm -hmm. because if I found the magic in those places, what I wanted to do was to help other people find that magic. Mm -hmm. And so when I got my degree in park and resource management, my master's degree in park and resource management, it really opened up this door of how more than just parks can give people wilderness experiences. Mm -hmm. But it's really important to have uh, organizations like land trusts who have nature preserves that give you this backcountry magic. I mean, I love interpretive signs. I'm an interpreter. Um, but there's something really special when you walk on a trail that was made by wildlife. Because mm -hmm. then you are deep into this wildlife experience when you know you see their nests and you hear the birds it really just brings out this sensibility of connectivity and so you know finding the stories that people need to build that connection with nature is what i've always wanted to do so i'm living the millennial dream where my job is what i went to school for uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so and i'm all, i'm always so thankful for that 
Um, and, you know, I've only been in Indiana a year. I just came up from uh, South Texas. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's been different. Uh-huh. Um, but I've discovered that, you know, forests like Muncie Woods, I mean, like Jake, this is one of my favorite properties mm-hmm. because these trees are so soaring. They give you this, you know, magic, the imagination, the magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in Girl Scouts too. So that's why this also feels kind of kind of nice. I can envision the platform tent and uh, the ghost stories, mm-hmm. wandering trails at night, being out when you're not supposed to. So it's um, this is one of my favorite properties. Is that what happens in Scouts Camp? I never went. <laughs> I've only seen movies. It's all about breaking the rules. It's a wild time. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is we give people the opportunity to have experiences that we had when we were young. That's true. So in an essence, our jobs are awfully selfish. Wow. <laughs> That's me, all right. <laughs> or, or just selfless. Oh, there you you're, go. You're wow. Sharing. The wordplay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said you weren't a professional. <laughs> Learning. <yeah. laughs> um, well, we could walk up over to the pavilion. I think it's probably shorter to go that way. Yeah, let's go this way. <laughs> so Jake and I were walking in the woods the other day, and in front of us was this really, you know, pristine, sort of glistening, fresh snow covered landscape and we're looking at it and you know Jake says I love looking at this sort of landscape simply because you know no one's been here it's untouched and nearly simultaneously I say let's go walk on it (laughs) so um, one of the things I love even though we have a small staff of three is that we all have these different perspectives uh, that we bring to how we interact with nature. So it's really refreshing. We're going to head down this way. This is a beautiful property. Yeah, it's a, like I said, the stretch that we're walking is definitely the most, the farthest along in Uh terms of uh, restoration, I Mm -hmm. would say. And it shows. Yeah. How many um, acres does Redtail uh, care for currently? 2,800. Wow. Um, we actually just recently require, required 50 acres in Henry County. So that's a brand new number. Nice. <laughs> we do that through, uh, so 2,800 is uh, all-encompassing, kind of what we protect. So we do that through, you know, flat out owning properties, or there's also a thing called conservation easements, which uh, basically means that whoever owns the land can retain title to it, but they can't do anything to degrade the natural quality of the land. Um, And that's a legally binding uh, agreement, and it means it's protected forever. So that's another great way to protect land without outright buying it. Something uh, Jake said, one of um, 
you know, during uh, one of our volunteer events that I hadn't really thought of was that one of the hardest parts of restoration work is that oftentimes you won't ever see the finished product. Mm -hmm. You know, when you plant trees, when you clear invasive species, um, and there's still a seed bank of invasive species there. But I feel like Muncie Woods has offered a, a really good sort of instant gratification um, with the honeysuckle that we've been clearing. Because this whole section, I mean, used to be just choked. But we've had, gosh, 50 volunteers out here over the last couple years in this area that have worked pretty, pretty diligently. And you can already see a difference, which is, uh, which is really special. Yeah, no, I mean, just knowing what a lot of uh, pre-treatment uh, woods look like, um, I can imagine. And this is, this is very opened up on the bottom. So that's, that's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. amazing what volunteers can add to yeah. an organization. Yeah. We, uh, we, get a, we work with a group called Teen Works over okay. the summer. It's, it's through the Muncie High School. I mean, it's everywhere throughout Indiana. But uh, So basically that means high school students come out here and it's like their first job, so to speak. They get paid for it. They come out here. They work. It's a wonderful partnership. And I, and I think you could really see uh, the loathing in the woods, really, that these kids have <laughs> when they're out here clearing honeysuckle in the morning. So right. it really shows. That's something extra. <laughs> but yeah. that very last day when um, they kind of walk the staff um, mm -hmm. around to see their work, I mean, it's right back to that, you know, really elementary part of ourselves where we're like, look what that, I did this. This is done now. Yeah. And there's a lot of pride there. Um, I know Julie and I, our executive director, we um, like to ask people, you know, their their backstories. What is that magical place for you that kind of gave you this spark of, I'm part of this? And, you know, several of the teens we've spoken to at Teen Works really said that this work in Muncie Woods, even that it was, you know, tremendously difficult, was, you know, this place them mm -hmm. yeah it, it's funny to see the change in the kids because the first week or so no one's just kind of all around the trails no one's really diving in by the last week they're all like pushing <laughs> branches bushwhacking <laughs> to get this honeysuckle it's really amazing mm -hmm. i had uh, uh it's just a wonderful educational opportunity and it, it's a great partnership and we couldn't do the work that we do as a nonprofit without mm -hmm organizations like that or groups like that. Mm -hmm. So it's immensely helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's great. And that's gonna be a huge just life changing just they'll always remember that. Like oh. for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We remember those worse. things that are attached to I mean to I don't emotions. I don't really know anybody who would love to go into a woods and remove exotic species but you know they they do i try to at least convey to them about the importance uh -huh. of work that they're mm -hmm. doing even if they can't see it all the time even if they're moving sluggish one day it is just objectively very important work mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah um yeah is there anything else i do have 
One final question I want to ask you all, but is there anything else you'd like to add about this property that we haven't talked about? I mean, I think in a lot of ways to put it together, you know, the two halves of Red Tail's mission, preserve, protect, restore land, connect people to nature, this property embodies both of those. Mm -hmm. As it moves forward into the future, yes, it has restoration work, but people are so entwined with that restoration work and with building those connections. You know, throughout the history of it, you know, with all the people who have seen these trees and found connections and a love of this land, that's not going to stop anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And it feels pretty special that, you know, we are continuing this legacy, even though it's in a different way than the scouts who were mm -hmm. here before us. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very well said. I, I really do think it's, you, you can't have the stewardship that we do without the work that Kelly does. Mm -hmm. And you, Kelly can't do her work without the work that, you know, I do. So it, it's this is really just the beautiful mesh of those two things and harmony. Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was, it was well said. Nice. No, very nice. Um, yeah, one, one question that I just really like to, to ask folks, because everyone's answer is so unique, because it's a very personal thing to uh, them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No, what, what does, you know, ecological restoration mean to you like as a like in your heart like there is a definition you know the society for ecological restoration has their definition and but like to you like what what drives you to work in this field this is you know as you, you mentioned this is tough work and there there are numerous challenges involved in it mm -hmm. so yeah i think for me this type of work is probably some of the most important work a person can do. Just, and that sounds obviously really grand, but when you think about it, we're talking about restoring the earth, the literal place we live on. And without it, I mean, I, I mean, it's just, it's so important. And it's, like you said, it can be hard. It can be this, it can be that. But at the end of the day, What's, what's the alternative? I mean, you can't not do this. You have to try something. I mean, the road that we're heading down, I hear a lot of the time, I'll hear the argument, well, can't we just, you know, we could buy the land, we can set it aside, fine. Well, then why can't we just let nature be nature from there? Well, I, I think the sad fact of it is that nature in this part of Indiana hasn't existed in hundreds of years, you know? And so as humans, we did something the land that we occupy and so it is our responsibility to then restore protect preserve all that good stuff and so that's why it's important to me and that's why i do what i do i know he he said every answer is unique but you know jake's answer yeah <laughs> I mean, well you know to to kind of I have a hard time quelling the anthropologist in me. Mm -hmm. I'm so very interested in how people view their own place. And, you know, that involves how they view their own future. And so, you know, the words ecological and ecosystem, I know they have a scientific, def you know, definition in the non-human world. But I think, you know, as Jake said, by this time, we are inextricably connected. Mm -hmm. It, you know... It's a, um, it's unrealistic to think otherwise, 
And so I think that ecosystem involves people in that system. You know, we are all part of the biological community. And so, you know, the restoration of our hopes, dreams, and aspirations in how we move through the world, um, I, I think it's all sort of, I see ecological restoration as knowing that we are part of the system. Excellent. No, yeah. Those are wonderful answers. Oh, both great. Of you. <laughs> Thank you. Is that, Thank is you that unique? <laughs> 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Um, no, thank you both so much for taking the time to, to chat with me in Absolutely. the middle of the woods in February. Well, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I mean, this has been, Jake and I are in this every day. Mm -hmm. This is what we see every single day. And so having a chance to talk about it and really um, coalesce our thoughts <laughs> and talk to other people about it, you know, it's, it's also what we like to do. Yeah, so believe it feels it or, pretty refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And believe it or not, there's not a whole lot of people <laughs> that ask me this many detailed questions about my job. <laughs> so it's I'll, I'll I'll talk, get the gab is what my mom yeah. says. I'll I'll do it all day long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you also are doing a podcast like this. I think it's important. Like Jake says, you know, who, yeah. asking these questions, you just don't think to do it until you know. Until yeah. somebody else thinks to do it. And you're like, I, you know, it is important. To well, my about. hope is that with more things like what you're doing, some of the outreach programs that we're doing, maybe one day I can live in a world where I won't get a call in the office about a bird that needs to be, you know, rehabilitated. <laughs> yep. <laughs> maybe yep. one day. Maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. No, thank you. Huge thank you again to Jake and Kelly for taking time out of their day to meet with me and talk about the important work that they are doing through Red Tail Lane Conservancy at sites like Muncie Woods. For more information on Red Tail Lane Conservancy and the work that Jake and Kelly are up to, you can find a link to their website on the page for this episode at midwestoration.com. And huge thank you to you for tuning in to Midwesteration. You can subscribe to this podcast at your favorite podcast app. And please stay tuned for more Midwesteration. <laughs>